Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours. As always, today we've got something a bit different. There's an album that I really like, which I picked up recently, called Astronauts by a young artist called Ash Walker, who I think is destined for big stuff. The stuff he does is a, a kind of blend of uh, down-tempo, trip-hop, dub, but very melodic, very kind of West Coasty sounding to me. And I just think he needs to be exposed to a bigger audience, and that's why I'm doing this today. He says that there's a certain degree of Afrofuturism in there as well, which I, th I find fascinating. He's, this is his fourth album. They're all great, but his, album, his new album comes out um, in June, and his, his influences range from D'Angelo and Joao Gilberto and Johnny Clark through to Deep House and Soul Vibrations and all sorts of stuff. It's kind of trippy and lovely and beautiful and you need to listen to it. Here he is, Ash Walker. Let's talk about you growing up and where you grew up. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, Born and raised in like Northwest. So I was born in Park Royal, um, grew up just down the road from Harlesden. And then, um, yeah, man, sort of ended up sort of being around Ladbrook Grove way from like really like my early teens, man. Um, so you're a Notting Hill, Billy. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like, um, yeah, man, it's sort of like, because I always used to go to carnival when I was younger as well. So it's like, it's sort of been quite a pinnacle sort of part of town for me. Um, I mean, having lived all around as well, like sort of ended up after going to uni, going to South London for a while, sort of lived in like Kennington and Brixton, um, and then sort of like Shoreditch Way, Stoke Newington. But wow. I always gravitated back towards West, you know, like, because I always had like, my peeps and stuff here, like my my good friends and yeah. like just like a good network of 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 people. So yeah, man, I just uh, yeah. I'm well, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure you know because Helen will have told you that um, uh, we used to I used to live we used to live in Leamington Road Village. Village, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. right in the heart of Carnival, basically. Yeah. So we had no option unless we left London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to have a party. We had loads of fantastic parties. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, a fair few. And a lot of my mates ran sound systems as well. So, um, I've kind of, it's weird, uh, in my life, always been around Caribbean music, really. Wicked, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not weird. I mean, it's great. Uh, I used to go to blues parties in, in Sheffield and nice. all that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I love Notting Hill, like you do. Yeah, man. And uh, I've still got loads of friends that are, they still live there, actually. And uh, and I was kind of mixed up in all that scene with, like, uh, Nana Cherry and yeah. all them dudes and yeah. everything. Yeah. And... Uh, and and still and and actually uh, Andy Oliver yeah yeah you know, yeah yeah, sure. and, yeah yeah and yeah I know so good mates <laughs> so um yeah. so 
How much, I mean, presumably the whole carnival thing had a massive influence on you then? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, I mean, sort of, I mean, even even backtracking to sort of when I was sort of super young, um, my granddad was a big fan of like the pan finals in Trinidad. And, right. And like, um, yeah, basically a lot of still pan music. Uh, then my grandma would play a lot of Calypso music, you know? Yeah, so I love all that stuff. I'd have like, you know, everything from Mighty Sparrow to all the Kitcheners and all that sort of stuff as a as a sort of background whenever I sort of hung out with them and then sort of leaning into, um, leaning towards sort of my mum being Northern Irish, like she was into a lot of soul and, and jazz, you know, and like jazz fusion and, um and everything of that ilk basically so she used to go clubbing yeah 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 basically quite a quite a fair which bit. clubs did she used to go to did she go to soho and stuff yeah do you know what she like she was born in london and then um moved back to northern ireland when she grew up oh, of course yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah, she grew right. up back there but um funnily enough like my parents met in the coach in Banbridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's mad. For those who don't know, the podcast listeners, I my wife's from Northern Ireland, so I've got a special relationship with Northern Ireland. I love the people. I love a lot about it. It's got a lot of, you know, there's a lot that's messed up with it as well. Of course. But, um, it's a beautiful country and the beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Totally agree, man. Like it's yeah, it's, it's it's always been quite a special place to me because um, yeah, that's obviously what my mum's side of the family are from. So I've always had quite a strong connection with it because I'd always be back and forth to there all of my life, and then sort of moving into me being a team like later in my teens, I would go down to the coach <laughs> and then sort of try and repeat the patterns, you know. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> the coach. Um, but yeah, man. Um, What's your favourite parts of Northern Ireland? Then I know you, you can't. You you've got a special connection with a place that's not that far from Market Hill, where yeah, like, for sure, man. Like, uh, well, I suppose places that sort of mean quite a lot to me were sort of uh, like Lurgan, like Lisbon. Yeah. Um, Porter Down. Porter Down, yeah. Porter Down was always like somewhere where you could go and just go and do some proper, proper shopping. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> compared to Van Bridge, it was always like, wow, man, they've got like a, they've got like actual sports shops here where you can buy yeah. Shops. <laughs> like, shops, yeah. Um, and everything was always a little bit cheaper. Um, and like, yeah, man. And then there was like Port Rush and places like that, you know. Port Rush is nice, isn't it, man? It's, yeah, I like it's it. Inside and that, like, so yeah, man, I was sort of dotted around the north and then we'd go to like Newry and places like that as well. So did you go, did you, did you go to the mountains of Mourn? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was sort of like, they were like religious sort of travels even even before like Game of Thrones and that. <laughs> That's right. It's a special place. Yeah. I mean, people who've never been to Northern Ireland, you need to get out there. I mean, we were lucky enough, obviously, because Lansley's from there, yeah. but uh, so we know a bit more about it. But that entire uh, one year, we did a kind of trip down the Antrim coast, you know. Nice. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful up there. 
Really? I love it anyway. I, I'm I'm a, I'm more than a quarter Irish myself, so Wicked. I'm proud of that. And I've got an Irish passport. Yes. But, but. <laughs> know. It's all our family, so we're in there. Um, so tell us about your. Uh, so your mum was a big influence on you in terms of music and yeah, for sure. And, and then, so when did you start DJ? Tell us about that. Um, okay, so like I, so I started DJing probably around twelve, thirteen, and that's when I started started buying records because there was always quite a bunch of records in the house, um, and like. I, yeah, I would sort of like my first things that I were getting into for DJing, and this would have been like late 90s, was like, um, like I was really, my brother was sort of more into like the jungle and drum and bass and like sort of hip hop and R&B stuff. And then I, I was sort of, I would soak that stuff up at the time. Um, and bear in mind, like jungle was sort of crossing over into drum and bass and like liquid was forming around them times. Um, and I was just, I was like a avid garage supporter. Like, yeah, garage yeah. Is what really spoke to me. That was the music of like my youth and teenage years at the time. So I was just super inspired by all of the earlier soulful kind of garage, um, two step, four to the floor, and a lot of house as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, masters at work um right through to like uh, i don't know like tina moore <laughs> like, right you know, right right so I, I would go on these little adventures into um into the west end basically to go and buy um go and buy records so i'd go to like all of the um all of the all of the shops like what well, they're not there anymore but like black market records um uptown records right. uh um, HMV on Oxford Street when it used to have vinyl in the back oh, on Street. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, yeah like Virgin Megastore as well, which was Tottenham Court Road back in them times. But then I'd be sort of between those shops, I'd, I'd then sort of be darting across the whole of London to even going to like Big Apple Records in Croydon to like the vinyl in like Uxbridge. Um, yeah, so I was like, I was I was traipsing around London far and wide on my chart. Did you ever work in a record shop? No, no, never, man. It's one of my it's one of my bucket list things. You know, the thing <laughs> is really interesting because uh, um, since I've been interviewing people in the kind of dance fraternity, shall we yeah, say, an awful lot of them started off just working in record stores and that's yeah. where they kind of they got their uh they got their fix of music you know yeah for sure i was um, quite lucky because I, I had like i had like a few of these older djs that were working in the record shops that sort of seen me and a couple of my mates and sort of kind of in a way took us under their wing and gave right. us all the hot tips for the new stuff because I I, they, they would have been like in their 20s at the time um people like uh, DJ Cameo, for example, he used to work oh. at Uptown, and every time I used to come in, I I'd like because I'd listen to Pirate Radio the night before, and like sort of get all my like list of tracks that I wanted. It was no Shazam in them days, so you just had to like write down a few of the lyrics and try to memorize a bit of the song, right. <laughs> you know. Um, so, so yeah, these were like yeah, like 
these are like sort of my my gurus at the time and they'd always have a little stack of records they'd know i'd like the more sort of soulful stuff um and like they'd stack together a bunch of records for me for when i came in and then just i'd flick through them have a little listen be like that one's good that one's not and then that's sort of how i got into mixing and i remember buying my first set of decks and they were like i was like mum i want to get some decks and she was like really no no problem go out and buy them then i was like well, really? I get some money? she was like no i'm not gonna buy them for you you gotta go do a paper round and get oh, some right, okay. <laughs> so so yeah i had to um yeah i had to go out and earn a bit of coin i remember saving up 200 quid for my first set of newmark belt drive 1510s with a blue dog mixer and they were they were it was like it was like two, um, there was, there were plastic belt drive turntables. They were so flimsy. Like, you know, if you touch I know the, the turntable itself, yeah. you just hear boom through it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I taught myself how to mix on those. And I had a, a friend in school who was a little bit older, like a couple of years older than me, who had like an amazing record collection as well. Um, and he had 1210s at his house. So I'd go to his house occasionally, have a little mix after school, like, and I just remember him sort of kind of briefly schooling me. And then I sort of took this and, and went home with it and then just would sort of mix for like hours in my in my old little patio conservatory sort of room. That it was wow. in my house and then just like... So did you get into the turntablism thing, you know, and the... the like yeah. juggling... I, I, I went to a few of the, the World DJ Championships. That stuff's fun, man. Like, yeah, I didn't really go too hard into it, you know? Like, I didn't really... I, it fascinated me, you know, but like I was never, I was never that good at scratching. So oh, it's hard <laughs> I to do. I tried it a few times. And didn't like, pursue it. Like, oh, I just kind of like playing guitar is too hard. Yeah, man. I mean, I can play a bit of bass, but man, when I when I've got to actually do proper intonation on guitar, it just it, it spirals out of control, man. It's too that's hard. Fingers, that's why I can do it. Yeah. yeah. The, um, so, so in parallel with this, you. were you were learning do you, were you self-taught bass or uh, no i so yeah so sort of rewind back a few years um i remember going into a music shop when i was about seven eight and then my mum was like look do you want to learn an instrument i was like yeah she was like what do you want to learn and i saw a, a nylon string sort of classical guitar on the wall acoustic and i was like i want to learn the guitar just like sort of sporadically is the only right. thing that was sort of speaking to me in that music shop and she was like, all right, cool, I'll get you some guitar lessons. So um, I ended up, yeah, getting guitar lessons from my guitar teacher at the time. Shout out Pete Hoban, um, my guitar teacher. Um, wonder where he is now. Um, and then I was always sort of like, from, from, from like early doors, I suppose getting to about nine, ten. One sec, sorry, the cat's outside. Oh, shit. Come in. Come in. Sorry, she was meowing to get back in. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, so like from early doors, um, I was uh, I, I sort of gravitated toward the lower lower strings. That was where I was. I felt more comfortable playing lower lower stuff. And then I'd write these little melodies, like because I mean, I, I learned to sort of read and write music from them times there. So I was always writing these little melodies and. They were always hanging out on the on the bottom E string uh, yeah, and then yeah. moving up and then not really going further above that. And then my guitar teacher, I suppose about, about nine, ten, I was sort of getting towards ten. He was like, look, man, you, you're always 
writing these melodies, um, why don't you learn bass? Because I've got a bass guitar you can have, um, which I still got. Um, right. And then uh, um, he was like, why don't you learn the bass? Because it's, it's it seems to be where you feel more comfortable on a guitar. So I thought, yeah, man, I'm fascinated by this bass guitar. It's like, what do you have to do? It's like you've got to plug it into an amplifier. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds more, 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 more uh, uh, paper rounds. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that blew my mind. So like, now I've got like electrified sort of bass guitar, which I've got to get an amp for. Um, and yeah, man, it sort of it sort of snowballed from there, really. So so then I'm doing bass lessons, and then that led into um, that led into getting my first keyboard, um, which is one of those. What were they? That was like a Yamaha PSR series keyboard you know like one with so the good one had a speaker on either side I had, the one. I had the budget one which was just a one speaker one side <laughs> like, but it was still cool I know so, it's cool yeah, and it had different rhythms and stuff exactly yeah 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 for sure so I had one of them and I've got a bass now so I'm sort of now I'm noodling around on the on the keys a little bit and um I suppose now I'm about 11 uh 12 this just before i started djing and my guitar teacher was like he had this little studio in the end of his garden sort of like set up where he had old cubases and like a bunch of like outboard simps and bits and pieces so he was like i mean the first thing i remember him showing me he had an emu proteus and an emu mofat and he was yeah. like man all those hip-hop black records that you're listening to this is what they're making. This is what they're making the sounds on. Like, and I was yeah. like, whoa, man. He's like, yeah, man. Like, it's like Timberland, like all these producers that you like, Dre, like they're using these sounds. So I was like, man, yeah. that's, that's fascinating to me. Like, and then he just showed me, he's like, look, all you got to do is press the keyboard and choose the sound on the, on the, on the sound module. So I was just like, man, like, okay, now my mind's completely blown, you know, cause I'm like, it's like, this is, this is how you do like sort of programming. So you just put it in and it comes up on the screen. So I was yeah, just yeah. like, man, right. Wound me up and watch me go. Like, do you know what I mean? So Are you doing this completely? I mean, I know you've got your mentors, teachers, whatever, mm. but we, 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 were you ever thinking that you might been a band or so these times not really like i wasn't really thinking about a band i was more just so i was just more focused on um just focused on making weird noises in my computer because i was like now i've got now we've got a family computer at home my my grandma came over my trini grandma come over from america she was in america at the time and she was like right i'm gonna treat you guys i'm gonna buy you like an old well, it was a new at the time. It was like, I'm going to take you to PC World and I'm going to buy you all a family wow. computer. That's wow. how it used to be back then times. It's not like everyone's got a, a laptop. It was like, we're going to get one computer for the household everyone's going to use. So everyone's got their login. And so I was just like, wow. So I, I straight away, I was just like, I need to get that Cubasis on this family computer. <laughs> so I got it off my got it off my guitar teacher, got it on the computer. And then that was just like... crack. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Naturally. This is like, I mean, I think Cubase was around them times. I think it was like probably Cubase 1 or something, Cubase 2. But it we, used, just... we used it for about a year. <laughs> yeah. 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 
So it's like, so had that. And then that was when I really started getting into programming and learning that I could take all these sounds that are on my keyboard into the computer, as well as um, all the world of other sounds that are out there. Is, uh, uh, on top of the fact that I can also get one of my CD singles, because like I, I had like, had all sorts of stuff and my brother was buying CDs as well. So, and my brother's three years older than me. So I always had him sort of as somebody to sort of look up to, to be like, okay, right, I, I do that and I don't do that. And I can listen to this. And if I listen to that, I'm, the, no one's, the people aren't going to approve of me. So I've got to just, I've got to do what is right for me. Do you know what I mean? Have you still got the um, first things that you recorded? Oh man. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. I've got some early... I've got some early like beat tapes from when I was like 15, 16 kicking around. Um, but now nah, some of that first stuff that, that sort of got lost in the ether, man. Right. Um, did you ever record stuff onto tape? Uh, yeah, I did a little bit of that. Um, but that was more in school a little bit later. Right. Like, you right. know, um, so that case, I mean, the whole thing about tape manipulation is so interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a skill. I know, obviously, you can do amazing things mm-hmm. with the digital audio workstation, but yeah. there's something about that physical thing with tape so and true. sticking it together. And, yeah, you know, the I don't know, it just feels more real to me. Nice, no, it is, it is, it is, it is a complete whole other world that it's amazing that sort of computers have just completely sort of surpassed it because of the the sort of memory abilities right but at the same time yeah you're right it's just like I mean even I mean taking it back to actually just like recording stuff off the radio like you know on cassette for example like that stuff used to be so fascinating to me like because I used to sit and just stay up late and record all sorts of like sets and stuff and then just like would call in the pirate radio station and get a shout out to me and my friends yeah. and then bring it in the next day and be like look man we could, we're on the radio brother got a shout out oh, <laughs> listen at this point like and how old were you then um so that's like 13 14 um oh that and, must have been a right buzz <laughs> yeah man it was trippy man and then like yeah these times garage was sort of evolving now you know yeah. so it was evolving like quite at quite a fast pace because now it's it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Yeah. Um, people are like selling loads of records, and then all of a sudden, there's like a garage tune that's number one in the charts. You know, and yeah. it's like, whoa, man! And it's I never forget. It was it was when Daniel Bedingfield got to get through this. I went to Uxbridge to vinyl to get one of the limited copies before this got actually cut and then signed to Relentless Records. It was uh, it was it was on DND Recordings and it was a white label and they only made five hundred. Wow. Uh, and they said on Freeze FM like, which was ninety point four at the time, I think. Um, they were like, "Yeah, you've got to, like we've got with this tune is is like a special tune. You can only right. get it the vinyl in Uxbridge. You've got to come now and get it." And this is like the early mix, which was like really simple. And I think he made it on like. I think he made it on like Music 2000 on the PlayStation, you know? So it was just like <laughs> really simple sounds, do you know what wow. I mean? <laughs> but it was like, it was a something really simple and elegant about the production. Yeah, um, yeah. And I went and got myself a copy. And then I, I'll never forget, like, I think it was about a year later, 
heard it on top of the pops, but they added this whole like symphony to it, you know, yeah, with, like, yeah, strings yeah. and this, that, and the other. And I was like, whoa, man. And then this bridge section as well. I was like, whoa, that wasn't in my one. Like they changed it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Um, Have you still got that record? Oh, somewhere kicking around. Yeah. I had this, I had this phase in my like early twenties. Cause I collect so much garage from, yeah. From my early teens up into my twenties that I, I, I had this phase where I was just like at uni learning like um, jazz sort of jazz composition alongside like music technology. And then it was like, okay, I don't listen to garage anymore. I only nice. listen to jazz. Nice. <laughs> so it's like, I had this big moment where I was just like, uh, I just sell a load of records. So like I stupidly sold like, Maybe two hundred of my oh, really, money, really good ones. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't even want to think what they're worth. Um, I've still got a bunch, but like, yeah, it's yeah. sold like this massive chunk to a friend of a friend, um, wow. and then forever <laughs> asking after him, like, "Did you ever? Do, do you still have those records?" Like, wow. <laughs> not, not trying to get them back. Let's but just talk curious. about your um, jazz. Yeah, uh, your love of jazz. Yeah, I mean, man. absolutely. You know, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the ma- really a major thread through all your work, I think. And, sure, yeah. Uh, I, you know. So tell me, tell me how that came about, and and who your main influences were from that. Oh man, um, so like, yeah, without even knowing, yeah, from when I was learning bass, like my my bass teacher was obviously just like a massive fan of like. Jacko, you know, yeah, like yeah. most people are um, in general, but especially if they're bassists, like you know, because he sort of he sort of reinvented it a little bit in in his own way. Um, so I was like, I was taught a bunch of these like things that I would learn were like because um, my bass teacher was like, oh, go away and learn this, um, but just listen to it and then play it, you know. Mm-hmm. So because he was trying to develop my ear which was like now I'm super grateful for you know because it's like um yeah man it's something that, that really helped me out quite a lot um and he basically said go and listen to this go listen to that so yeah I'd like learn like learn like like weather report tunes and like oh, never 42 and all these kind of people and then like without even knowing I'd sort of be I was in this sort of world of jazz before I even sort of understood it, as well as having the soundtrack of my mum's stuff in the background that she'd be playing, um, which would be everything from soul, jazz, fusion, sort of to from Azimuth to um, to like Luther Vandross, you know, like yeah. so, and, and everything in between. So I'd be, yeah, I sort of had this massive, like um, this massive, soundtrack of that kind of stuff in the background that sort of was shaping the way that I felt that music needed to come together, you know, sort of with like all the essentials, like before I even knew like a Rhodes was a Rhodes, like I kind of felt that texture in a song before I even knew there was a difference between a grand piano and an upright or like, like an organ, like all that kind of stuff. It was just stuff that I, I kind of subconsciously kind of felt help bring stuff together and give stuff those layers. Oh, it does, does it? It's the yeah. central core of most of that stuff. And um, but I mean, you you know, listening to your 
uh, stuff and your latest album and everything's it's very sophisticated i mean it, it, you know i mean your knowledge uh, it, uh of chord sequences and you know, it, man. Uh, it's really i mean it's something that for somebody who's almost i suppose to a certain extent self-taught you know that's yeah. no joke you know oh, thanks, man. No, I, appreciate I really it. like it a lot Oh, thank you. No, it's proper. It means means a lot coming from you, man. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. What do I know? I, I, I can't. I can, I can barely play keyboards, but oh, mate. Uh, no. But I do appreciate. Um, no, I, the way I view things is it's whatever affects you emotionally. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but but to understand the context that you're creating stuff in with all the you know diminished chords and fucking all that stuff which yeah, i know a little bit about but not as much as you obviously so do you normally write you normally write on keyboards do you um it sort of yeah it kind of depends really like i mean sometimes um i will start something just on some keys i mean i bear in mind i'm not a keys player <laughs> I just, like, that might be a good thing for songwriting i've always said yeah. this i'm not a keys player yeah yeah i can yeah. play keys yeah yeah but i'm you know I, it's not i'm never my ambition has never been to be a virtuoso key player exactly it's yeah, a yeah, keyboard yeah. player i'm more interested in not learning what's conventional totally yeah and then you and then it frees you up you're not worrying whether it, does this sound original? Does this not? Well, it probably fucking does. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Because I know what I'm doing. Yeah, no, yeah. I, to I totally agree. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it depends really. Like, I mean, I suppose ideas seem sort of spark from, from wherever really, but like a lot of the time, like more recently, I, I would start with with like a an idea on the keys that I might have had because it comes from sort of usually frustration in practicing and like saying all right i'm gonna practice for an hour sitting down uh whatever and then saying after 20 minutes being like oh that sounds all right actually right, yeah. right, right, forget right. about that song that i was trying to learn yeah, those two cool. chords or oh, those three chords are really nice oh what can i throw in for a little next section oh that sounds quite cool have you ever done that thing where you which i've done a couple of times yeah. where you start with some samples from existing records absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. All, all and all that and yeah. then maybe yeah once you've built some infrastructure uh -huh. around it, sometimes i've even thrown away the original samples and then created a song around that exactly i mean totally that's like one of my that's definitely one of my alternative ways of working if i don't start with a little keys part it's i start because i have heard something and i thought man right, right, that right. sounds fire i'm just gonna take that build off that and then remove that you know what I mean? as my yeah. as my mojo you know tell me uh told, didn't tell me specifically but who, who taught me that was uh, an article by brian eno in the mid 80s oh, yeah 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 he was talking about he has he had the you know the, he had these card decks do you know about this uh it called um oblique strategies Okay. And it was like, uh, he was obsessed with playing cards. Okay, he, right. He made this playing card deck. This they weren't playing cards; they were cards. And it was to break creative block, right? Right. When you just right. pull, you pull a card out, and it would go uh, reverse the third part that you put in this song. Yeah. Or you know, all sorts of weird stuff. Or you know, make it double speed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or you know, 
Yeah. All these things just to break you out of the habits that you get into. I do and um, that really had a massive influence on me because I thought, I've got to make a specific... One of the things he said is, one of his most famous ones was, um, pick your favourite song, record yeah. it onto a couple of tracks, yeah. build some stuff around it, and then throw away the original track. <laughs> Completely. Love that. So it's like... You just left with the scaffolding, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can build something else on it. And that really had an impact on me. We did that several times. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. Like, that's, that. I mean, I think that's definitely one of the ways that I, I sort of work best because I, I, I'm constantly listening for stuff to be, like, inspired by, you know, or to be, like, moved by or to sort of not to... Not to mimic or copy, but to to elaborate on their ideas because I'm so inspired by them. You know, it's well, like it happens throughout the history of composition. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mozart and before, yeah, you know? yeah. No, not, totally. everybody goes, "Oh, they're real originals." No, they're not. They're, <laughs> Mozart based a lot of his ideas on Monteverdi, went back to like church music and all that stuff. Anyway, no, it's too true. And um, but. What I think is fascinating about your stuff is it's kind of filmic. Oh, I appreciate it. You know, yeah. it. It builds pictures in your mind, which is a thing of beauty. But it's very, it's also very, I don't know, this, it's just, gentle isn't the right word. It's com comforting isn't the right word. It's just... It makes me feel warm when I listen to your music. Oh, bless, man. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's... but, but the, I bear in mind, I come from a, a a love of soul music anyway. For sure. So yeah. I understand this world. And to a certain extent, you know, new jazz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I just love all that stuff. And I, it doesn't make me feel... I don't know, sometimes jazz makes me feel a bit like I don't really know enough to appreciate this properly. I mean, some can, can't it? Kind of like, there's a lot of stuff that sort of um, can feel quite... Um, exclusionary. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. Like, and it kind of feels a little bit too intellectual to a point, and you're just like... Man, I want to understand this. Yeah, I want to yeah. kind of see what yeah. they're doing here, and and even I can feel like pretty overwhelmed because I'm not like a virtuoso musician, you know. So it's like like that that focuses on the bass or that focuses on the keys. So like, but I mean, I can appreciate musicianship, and I can appreciate those those players that just are super dedicated to their craft to the point at which they just go that extra mile. And then when you've got a unit working together so seamlessly that you're just like man, this is going over my head. I'm not actually quite sure what they're doing. Yeah. Sounds sick, but like I don't know what's going on here. They've just changed key nine oh, times right. oh, yeah. in 10 seconds. Have you done a lot of uh, kind of free jazz improvisation stuff, for instance? Um, like... Uh, I mean, improvisation is sort of like quite a big... Uh, Within parameters... Yeah, within parameters, it's quite a big sort of aspect into into what I've got cooking and to how we play with the band and stuff. Um, Tell us about your band. Oh, yeah, so the band's called Ashwell Group Experience and there are six of us, seven including our engineer. And so it's 
Kwame Ambrose on drums, um, got Harry Lee Evans on bass, um, got Laville on vocals, who's one of my oldest and dearest, and I've uh, got Kiki on sax, and uh, I'm on um, simps, and I've got an MPC, and then I root everyone into my mixing desk so that and I you manipulate it. Yeah, exactly. So I've got like an echo chamber that I use and like a spring reverb. Um, So it gets jazzy at points, but then it also gets really dubby at points. Um, And then uh, I've got Alex Cosmo Blake on guitar as well. Um, And yeah, we've got... I've got to come and see you play live. Yeah, yeah. I I, I really have to because it'll be right up my street. I know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're just we're just locking some stuff in for the summer. So, um, so most definitely. Summer vibes. Actually, I can see that from your 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 uh, from your music. Yeah, definitely. That would work. You know, if the sun ever comes out again, (laughs) work in that environment. It's like jazz on the summer's day. That classic um, uh, film, isn't it? I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a bit about the band. And yeah, yeah we just, so what's the biggest what sorry, what uh, sorry to interrupt. What's the biggest forces that you've played with? I mean you played you played with strings and have yeah. you done it with a big brass section, for instance? Um I mean not a big brass section like really as of yet, you know. Um like my friend Yaz Ahmed joins us sometimes on trumpet and flugelhorn as well. So yeah, I mean, we've got a little, a little sort of, <laughs> a little section going on, but I think, suppose that's the next step. I mean, like this next project that I'm writing is going to be with this 24-piece string orchestra, like I think I mentioned that's to you today. So I think from when I've got everything down with that and we've got some stuff to actually play off that, um, I think that's when we sort of will be looking at like stepping up the levels and getting some more players involved and sort of adding that string element to to things, man. Because it's sort of, I think there's something to be said about about strings or even like brass or just a, a, an orchestra, small or large, you know. Oh, like, it's amazing. Uh, it just, it, I think it just speaks to your heart in a, in a, in such a special way, you know, like whenever you sit down and sort of listen to that stuff, it just, it's, it's so moving to sort of think that those instruments have been around for so long. Yeah, and there's nothing that quite impacts your soul as much mm-hmm. as those, those forces, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd have to say, <clears throat> being very lucky, <clears throat> Yeah. that we were supported by the record company to the extent where we could afford to hire the Phoenix Horns to play with us, you know, yeah. uh, who are yeah. Yeah, the best. You know? Top of the top. I it? mean, they were designing the, well, Don Myrick, who was the leader, he was, they were designing their arrangements for uh, stuff that we did on Luxury Gap, which is 40 years old this year. Right. They were, they were designing the arrangements on the fly as we were just talking about it in the studio we played the tracks and yeah and you do this you do this you play the b flat you do dinner and I, we need a sugar ray here and we need a you know she's like that you know the sugar ray and then uh, and then we need um and then you've got to do a flugel horn solo yeah, yeah. Want it like Miles? Yeah, I'll do like Miles. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
And do you want mutes on this? And I think brass is so thrilling. It is. It's really, it's it's like thrilling, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, it's like, yeah. It's like these new kind of brass brass ensembles that are kicking around now, you know? Yeah, I, I think they're really cool, man, you know, because it's like, I mean, obviously sort of... Snarky deep, Puppy. Yeah, Snarky Puppy are dope, like, and uh, even like Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Oh, I love them guys. A lot of people like that, you know, and then it's all this kind of like, it takes so much like inspiration from New Orleans and that sound, like, you know, which is so imperative to all the... The music we listen to, and there's so much history in it that it's like I'm immediately, I'm so, yeah. immediately evokes a different era as well. Yeah, totally, yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I remember playing like we did this like West Coast tour like years ago, um, and we were in San Francisco um, and had just finished the show the night before in San Francisco, and then a friend that we'd met out there said, why don't you come to this club? So I went to this club. Um, San Francisco is such a cool city because it's just like a, a lot of stuff's really like locked in. I feel like I it's like it. Bristol of America. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I love it, man. I yeah. It. And it was like, it was super cool. And it was, they had this amazing sound system, like just dope music, like soul and funk, like all like vinyl, like everything was like on point. And then this like, we were just outside in the street having a smoke and then this like, this marching band was just rolling down the street, like a brass uh, marching brass band, like, but like a proper one, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like these me. kind of guys repping it, playing some like OG music. And then I was like, what are these guys up to? They rolled into the club. <laughs> yeah. They just all rolled into the club. And then he yeah. just started jamming along with what was playing in the club. And then he just all marched out again. And oh, wow. Like, man, I, love, I love all yeah. that um, drumline stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the sports brass. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've probably seen all that stuff, but, yeah. like, some of the college teams have, like, you know, they have 100 brass players. <laughs> so cool. Oh, my God. It's a right racket. 15 tubers. I mean, <laughs> but who cares? I know. You know. That's like having 100 oscillators on a stage. <laughs> yeah, you're right, isn't it? Oh, so my God. Yeah, right. I love right. I'm, I'm, In fact, that's what I'm going to do this evening. I'm going to reconnect with all the drumline stuff. Yeah. And actually, I oh. recently bought a um, a sample library called Drumline. Oh, wicked. Which has, which, which has got uh, various patterns and samples from... Re- from a, uh, a, a forty piece drum line. That's the one. That with all the with all the flicks and everything, and I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to write some shit around that. I'm not found an excuse to do it with Hems yet, but. Oh man, there's always an excuse, right? <laughs> no, but oh, 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 I mean, you're like me, presumably. It's like you just need a little starting point to inspire, mm-hmm. don't you? And then, and then I just go. I don't care where this is going. In it, yeah, yeah, totally. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm riding this wave. I don't yeah. know where the wave is going to end up. I've no idea. So true. Yeah. And that's yeah. the. And I, uh, you know, when I was teaching students and stuff, I'm always saying to them because they get so. A lot of them get so obsessed with, you know, the way things look on yeah. a, on the screen uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and dragging and dropping mm-hmm. different bits and. Mm-hmm. You know, EDM and all that. Yeah. I'm just going, man, just free up. You yeah, know? it's true. It's try try different stuff. Try stuff you wouldn't normally, you know, yeah. I forbid you this week 
to use the normal drum machine or synths that you normally use. Yeah, go and yeah. find some different ones. Totally, man. You might not like it. Yeah. And you might go, that was a waste of time, but more than likely you'll find something interesting. Man, that's part of the whole fun of cooking as well, you know? Exactly. It's, like, it's trying out things that you might not normally try. It's like, oh, what does this synth do? Oh, I've never had that setting before. Or like, you know, it's like, it's the experimentation is, and the process is part of the, the whole part and parcel of why we sort of enjoy doing it so much, because that is the freedom, you know? Exactly. The freedom that there are no rules to what we're doing. And the only rule is, just make sure you finish it <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> no, but you're, this is another point I used to tell my students is what you're creating at any given point is an authentic representation of what you're feeling if you're doing it right. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. you probably won't be feeling the same in a week's time. No. So why go? Why start revising things all the time? Mm -hmm. Do mm -hmm. something to the yeah. best of your ability. And move on. It takes a week. It takes a week. Yeah. But then, you know, leave it. Yeah, yeah. Master yeah, yeah. it. Master yeah. it, but mix it. Yeah, 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 totally. And yeah. if necessary, if you're not sure about it, come back to it later. You might go, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, or you might go, you've mm. done it. There are bits that I can recycle for other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. happened a lot. You know, I take, you know, stuff that we've had on file. You know, you take, oh, I like that verse, but the cut's not really transitioning into the, you know, and all that stuff. And yeah. then, yeah. So anyway, songwriting is a, a beautiful and mysterious process, isn't it? Such a, that's, that's a whole world in itself. <laughs> like, isn't it? Like, so do you have, have you ever written stuff? Starting with vocals, for instance. Yeah, I've written a couple of things starting with vocals, you know, like, um, but they're few and far between compared to what I write starting with, like, yeah. some sounds that I like or some chords that I like or, uh, like, a little drum beat that I was sort of messing around with, you know, like, I think, I think it feels like Vocals, when they do come to me, I just got to jot them down. You know, like when I have the idea for for something, I've just got to. You have a big pile of kind of bits of vocals because that's what we do. We just uh, actually we write them on a piece of paper and we collect all this stuff and then we type them up and then we scatter them all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, and, got... and, and and just go that 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 and see what mixes. We yeah. even invented a piece of software that would create sentences. Oh wow. That's so you'd be like a yeah. uh, a a one on bandit of lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so mad. You've got a wheel of you know prepositions, a wheel yeah. of adjectives, wheel of nouns, wheel of, and so then cool. it would just generate yeah. endless, yeah, interesting, um, often nonsensical, but yeah. occasionally we'll come up with something that is just. You would never have thought of. You would right? never have thought of, exactly. And, was, yeah. and that's what Bowie used to do, similar yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the William Burroughs cut-up technique and all that stuff. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's like a super helpful way to write, you know, because I feel like even if I'm in a situation and we've got most of something down and we're like, man, we just need... We just need these two more lines, you know. Yes. You can sit there and rack your brains for hours over that stuff and get absolutely nowhere. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to go in rhyme zone and put something that rhymes with, like, 
like master or like or like proper <laughs> like you know and it's just like oh man all these words are crap oh rhyming dictionaries man thesauruses have you got any ambition to write a smash hit um do you know what yeah when i was younger i used to think man by the time i'm by the time i'm 21 i'm gonna have I'm gonna have bare money. I'm gonna have bare hit records. Like then I was got then I was like, Ferraris, lots of Ferraris, Lamborghinis, all of that. Then I got to tw- then I got to like 23. I was like, Do you know what? Yeah, by the time I'm 25, I'm gonna have all of those things that I said I was gonna have at 21. Then I thought, you know what? When I get to 30, I'm gonna have all of these things. Yeah. And then I kind of got to 30, and I was like, Do you know what, man? Like. I'm just kind of happy that I got I've got an output that I can actually freely make my music and kind of operate and navigate this landscape how I need to. Yes, I could always have a little couple more cars or you know like That's growing up, man. That's I thought, you, know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, so I kind of got to like I think it was probably by my second album that I was like um do you know what especially with what I do, like, it's not, it's not particularly, like, poppy kind of stuff. As, yeah, I mean, who knows what the future holds for the, I, I, you for know, the, for the sound thinking, of the recorded record. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, though. Country. But, yeah, it's like, so, yeah, it kind of got to... As a challenge, it's quite yeah. an interesting challenge, isn't it? Yeah, no, uh, so, yeah, so it had sort of, like, I had this time because I was sort of working in a studio for best part of my 20s, you know, like, yeah. recording other people and sort of, like, running this studio, like, in... Um, in Labbert Grove. So it was like, so hearing a lot of the stuff that come through there, all sorts of music as well that I sort of be engineering for. And then like hearing all the stuff, I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's simple enough to just get this recipe and just like, and just, and just do this it's thing. Simple, just got it? a lead and stay in it. And then just like, I think, yeah, like, like you said, the growing up sort of dawned on me and, and I realised, you know what, I, I, I don't necessarily have, so much of a uh, a desire to write a hit record per se. If one of my records gets like listened to a lot or does spiral into something that sort of develops beyond what I could have thought, then amazing, you know. But like, I think I think my my desire to like set out to write a hit record is sort of. That 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 idea dwindled, I think, a, quite right. a while ago. As I sort of like, I realised that I'm I'm just quite happy to sort of staying in my lane of like my yeah, yeah. sort of kind of Listen, underground. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I just something because <laughs> I think you've got a natural kind of talent for melody and you know chord progression and stuff. Oh, thanks, man. So um, uh, t- let's just do a brief overview of the albums that you've put out so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell us how they've kind of developed. Um, yeah, so like first album was um, that sort of came about. So I had sort of a track that I'd done on SoundCloud that maybe it was quite some time ago now. I think it was like 2011. Um that sort of got a bit of traction 2011 2012 and this is like soundcloud days um right. before before kind of spotify 
um, I can't remember when Spotify came around, but I think it was shortly after that. Um, so yeah, this is like, so this track I've done had some, had some traction, like on like a channel where it was more like dance music. Cause right. then I sort of reposted it and stuff. And then it got like, it, it got a good bit of exposure them times, you know, um, for me being a sort of in inverted commas, nobody in the scene as yet, you know? Um, cause I hadn't really, I mean, I'd done some like, kind of commercial work and stuff for like briefs and stuff like being in the studio I'd sort of acquired bits and pieces that I'd be doing for like production companies or little bit driven to sort of like get a bit of chump change do you know what I mean um and then sort of so that track had a bit of traction and then what was that called that was all that you are um with uh my friend Sebi Lola and yeah so basically like that got some traction and then that led to this label getting in touch with me and they were like yo we really like your tune we really want to release some music for you like have you got anything that you're working on at the moment like in a similar vein and I was like well yeah it just so happens that that's kind of all I do in my downtime when I'm not recording other people it's just sort of smash together these beats like you know and then them times I was sort of quite focused on um like instrumental stuff you know like I was I was quite I was quite particular I was like I only really want to make instrumental music like this is where I find my comfort and this is where I can really express myself freely and also because I'm not a songwriter and I find it easier to not right. have to try and write words. Yeah, and but listen, I've got a thing for you here. So, yeah. and because I've been through this with a lot of my students. Yeah, yeah. A similar stage seating before you got signed up, probably yeah. better. Yeah. It's like, you can, a low, I say the majority of them, make excuses not to get out of the comfort zone. Exactly, exactly. All and that's, the time. All, yeah. and I'm absolutely. Absolutely. Pushing, pushing. Yeah. And I love what you said on your uh, press release and it's going on about, you know, you you, you just want to learn. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's really, in a nutshell, what what musicians of your uh, of your developmental path need to do is yeah. to understand it's a never-ending process. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are learning and changing all the time, whether you want to or not. Yeah. Because you are what you eat and you're exactly. just eating different shit all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, it's too true. In my case, a lot of sweet stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can attest to that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that's what it was to start with. And then they sort of said, look, we want to, can we hear some stuff? Met up with them, played them a bunch of stuff. They were like, man, you've got more than an album's worth of material here. And I thought, okay, well... Let's do something about it. Like, let me let me shape some of this into what I feel coherently is an album. So that then became Augmented Seventh, which was the first album. And um, I remember I'd put together a band at the time. Um, but these times I was a little bit sort of naive, a bit irresponsible. And I had a manager at the time who was really sort of trying to keep me on the straight and narrow, you know, and um, he said, look, let's get into a studio and record a song with your band that you've got at the moment. Right. So we got into a studio, we got into Conk in uh, oh, no. in Hornsey. Yeah, like Ray Davis's studio. Um, 
And I was just like, whoa, man, loads of gear. Like, whoa, rock and roll. Like, <laughs> we got people taking photos of us and shit. Like, this is sick. Like, and um, and that was where we recorded one of the tracks we did live, like, basically off that album, which was Come On Board. So we recorded that as a live track. Um, and then I was, yeah, I was sort of fronting the band at the time because I wasn't such a keyboard player. And I had my friend, uh, Jay Mozart, who was playing keys at the time. And then um, he was like such a, like he raised in the church, you know? So his, his keys playing was on a different level, you know? And his ear was phenomenal. I would just like, all I would need to do is sort of hide behind his sort of <laughs> 10 finger chords and play a little top line on my melodica. And then I was just like, yeah, this <laughs> some stuff now. So we went in to record that and then that got me a, that sort of put the fire in my belly for sort of thinking I've got to start a band really. Um, but then that project with that lineup of people didn't really go too far because I was sort of more focused on sort of being in the studio and being that studio hermit and wasn't quite ready to transition into right, right, right. making this stuff live because I didn't know how I wanted to do it yet. So then I suppose that album was sort of finished late 2013, early 2014. Then it was like putting the wheels in motion for it. it ended up coming out in 2015. Right. And then, um, yeah, so that led on to my second album, which now that I've got an album out, um, and I've sort of broken the ice, as it were, to sort of establish like, yo, I'm Ash Walker. Like, um, that was when I sort of started making the second album, but with much more, much more focus right. to it being like, uh, like a, like a, like a together, like tight knit yeah, like concept. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to something that was just sort of hurled together that I feel from stuff that I had that sort of worked together, you know? So then that led me to making Echo Chamber, which I sort of finished like uh, 2016 and it came out 2017. Right. And yeah, again, that was on the same label. And I'd made like a bunch more tracks for this and right. like sort of one too many. And then they said, well, no, what we're going to do is we're going to do a, we'll do a deluxe version at some right. point later on with some of the extra tracks, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and all this time, I was still doing, like, remixes for people. Like, I do my own sort of, like, dubbed versions of stuff. Um, but in my own kind of way, I mean, it's yeah. like, I, I call them dubs because it's sort of, I like to dub out stuff, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. super inspired by, like, King Tubby and yeah, and, and people like that. And then, um, yeah, that led to me meeting the label that I'm with now, Nighttime Stories, Late Night Tales. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was crazy because I I then sort of, I'd, since I'd made Echo Chamber, I I was like, right, I've got to now make a better album, bigger, better, yeah, more yeah. conceptual, like more vocals because I noticed yeah. on Echo Chamber, the vocal tracks got picked up on way more than the instrumental ones. Once, once Pandora's box is open. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't close it. So 
so yeah, so that that led to so I think Thunder off um, Echo Chamber. That one, that one did that one did way better than I thought it would. You know, considering it was a track that um, that me and Laville wrote in my old studio in Crouch End in like an afternoon, basically. I just played two chords. I was like, what do you think about these two chords? He was like, yeah, they sound sick. I was like, okay, I'm going to throw this little bass line down quickly. I'm going to throw this beat in there real quick. Uh, then that's our song. And then, um, so that song, yeah. So, so, so that, was, that was super cool because that song did better than I thought it would. It got used to some stuff here and there so I was like okay now I'm sort of feel like I'm establishing myself a little bit better as a as yeah. a musician you know and and it looks to me that if I do more vocal stuff yeah. I can sort of open some more doors to myself because more people are going to listen to it you know um so yeah that led to Aquamarine which was 2019 and funnily enough I met the label, I met the guys from Late Night Tales at my friend Yaz's gig. Um, and Yaz was on a couple of tracks on Aquamarine wow. before it got signed to this new label. So I went to this gig of hers. She said, yo, can you come and do merch for me um, at Jazz Cafe? And I was like, no problem. Like, so I went there with my friend Charlie and uh, he was sort of helping her out with her merch at the time. And um, just to help join some dots for her, basically. And then I said, yeah, no problem, I'll come help out merch. So we're sitting there on the merch stand. And then at the time it was, so Paul, who owns the label, um, was uh, was there and he was with Peter, who was the label manager at the time. And I was like, this is some sort of joke here. Yeah, these, these guys are called Peter and Paul. These are like my disciples. <laughs> <laughs> and we were chatting to them. And they were like, oh, we just like, we just pressed, 40,000 copies of, of of a band that's on our labels in vinyl. Like, these vinyls look really nice that we're selling of Yaz. I was like, who the hell are you guys? Why are you printing so many vinyls? Like, who's this band? Like, And that was Krungbin. So I was like, who sort of had sort of really, really big success, like, over the last few years. Um, and uh, amazing band and, like, label buddies, you know? Um, so I was just like, man, like, I should send you lots of music. I reckon you'd like it. Like, yeah, yeah. And coming from a place before where I'd sort of been a sort of, I suppose, down-tempo sort of pace kind of person, producing-wise, like music-wise, that was sort of falling on the ears of more sort of dance music people, thinking, oh, this is quite a nice break from the norm. It's not, not all that sort of boom-bang crash yeah, stuff. It's a yeah. bit more chilled now out. You, now you're learning your own identity. Exactly, yeah. So, um, so that led to there and then that led to Aquamarine but Aquamarine was more of a yeah much more of a concept album now and so like this has led me to like I think four or five vocal tracks out of the out of the out of the lot so it's like a, a good majority of them are vocal tracks now and so yeah I sent it to Peter that day I was like look I'm just gonna send you a SoundCloud link now he messaged me the next day. He was like, man, I really love this. So I was like, well, sign me then, isn't it? <laughs> and then sort of that sort of led on for a little bit. And then they sort of put a deal together and then finally ended up that I was going to put it out with them, sort of a couple album deal with an option, etc. And then, yeah, that was, that was that. That was 2019. Um, 
then between then and now, I've done a bunch of like singles and remixes for people. I had a track on Don Letts's version excursion, Late Night Tales, which was like a, I think I mentioned to you the other day, it was like a, it was me and scientists basically. So I was, I was grateful enough to have scientists um, do a dub of one of my tracks off Aquamarine, basically, um, track called Time. And then, we sort of were put in touch again and then I started talking to him quite a lot um, just over the phone and we just sort of built up this sort of really natural relationship and he's like obviously one of my sort of heroes in the in the dub reggae world you know and he's like the only person to have trained under King Tubby basically so he's dropping all these like mad nuggets of information and like knowledge to me like at the time and I was just like man I'm sort of fascinated that I'm working with scientists and it's like and Paul, who's the label owner, is like, right, I want you to do a reggae cover of something for Don's for Don's compilation. So I was like, cool. So this is like, I don't know, 2021. So me and scientists put together um, Omar, there's nothing like this, but the dub version. Right. What it was originally was like a version that I made, which was like a full vocal version. Um and then scientists is like, nah, 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 man, nah, man, we have to, we have to chop the vocal out, man. <laughs> all right, cool. He's like, but nah, all of it, man, just chop a little piece of it. So I was like, all right. Um, so, so yeah, he sent me back these ideas, man. And then like, yeah, we just started cooking it together remotely. So he was working in LA. He lives in LA in his studio in LA. He's, he was out there cooking it, and then would send me back stems, and I'd be like, okay, well. I've seen what you've done. I'm going to just do this and then send it back to him. And he was like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, great. I'm going to send you this. So that's how we put that one together. Um, So that was 2021. And then fast forward to now, um, I'd already had uh, this album, Astronaut, sort of wrapped up and written around these times. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. This will be out this year. Then it gets to 2020. I'm like, all right, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's going to be out this year. (laughs) But then luckily it didn't come out. And I had, uh, I got put in touch with Barry Jameson, who was like amazing engineer, uh, producer, and just all around bad work, basically. Um, And he lives in the States. And he was like, he was a friend of Paul's, who's a label owner. He was like, I'm going to play the album to Barry and get some of his ideas sonically to see what he thinks. I was like, please do. Like, you know, because up until now, it's just been me cooking in this room or at the studio, wherever, like, you know, just to record drums or to record this or record that. So by the old days, man, when people and record companies could afford it. Yeah. Everybody, you know, when I was a producer in the 80s, I mean, people employed you to be the, you know, the outside, not just give you ideas or yeah. be a sounding board, but actually have a different perspective on shit. It's really important. Yeah. And it's somebody like, who you trust, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Trust and respect, you know, yeah. like, and it's so important. Like, so, so up until, like I said, up until this time, I hadn't really had that. I just relied on myself being like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's done. It's mixed. Done. <laughs> like, you know, so now I've sort of like, I've shared some stuff with Barry He's got his like floor to ceiling PMC <laughs> monitors or whatever he uses, you know, 
in his studio out there, which is like solely for sort of like mixing and sort of sonics, you know, getting yeah. to the bottom of it all. And he was like, man, I love it. Like, if I could make one sort of suggestion, this tune could do with a little bit more 70 hertz. Do you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And he's like, this one, there's a little noise in there that I think I could put out. And I'm like, no, yeah, no, yeah. it's noise. I like the noise. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, yeah. then I had this sort of year, or like not year, but like um, a bunch of time sort of like refining it with him. And just before I'd done that, I'd uh, I'd gone down to a friend's studio in uh, Somerset, Dan Austin, who did a lot of the... Um, Massive attack stuff. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was put in touch with him to sort of like do some final stem mixes with him, yeah. basically, and just kind of get my because the label just like, look, if you want some help, like choose who you want, you know. So I was like, all right, I want to go with Dan. I know him. I know his work. Like, I'm going to go to his studio so I can get out of mine and just run it on his speakers and just get everything exactly where I want it to be, you know? And son- I have to say the album is sonically beautiful. It's Thank you, man. very Thank well you. considered. Thank you. I'm a bit, uh, of, uh, I'm a bit picky about these things, mm. you know, because I mean, I think a lot of, um, I have to say a lot of stuff that emerges from the dance scene, they just overmaster it and they yeah, over and it all sounds kind of limited. And, yeah, just and that and this is just uh, it sounds a really considered and uh, oh, thanks, man. Piece, a fascinating piece of work. Oh, and I would recommend anybody to go out there and uh, get hold of it. Is it available on vinyl? Yes, we're doing a, like, um, there'll be a bunch of vinyl cut. I mean, I always, like, all of my releases are always on vinyl. So even all my all my back catalogue is all available on, on wax. Um, right. All of my singles, uh, most of my little remixes that have come out, not all of them, but most of them, uh, be on 45s as well. So, right, right. so this one, the, the actual vinyl for this lands, well, the... The album's released on the 30th of June, 23. Cool. And yeah, there'll be, I think there's a thousand or two thousand limited rose coloured ones. Oh, so nice. the first batch of people that get the vinyl will get rose coloured vinyl. Um, well, we'll make sure this, this podcast goes out like two weeks or the week of release. So nice one. No, I appreciate it's, uh, that. It's, um, it's done. So, time for the smash hits questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, what's your favourite film? Oh, damn. Oh. <laughs> Any, it doesn't matter. I'm not, it's not a test. <laughs> um, Space Odyssey, 2001. Oh, yeah, that's my favourite too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't beat that shit, can you? I mean, no. you can watch that as many times as you want. You no, know? it's just it, that is again, it's big inspiration for for this album. <laughs> you know, wow, the astronaut. Um, and what's yeah, the inspiration for the album? I mean, is it a theme? Um, yeah, it is. Do you know what it is? Yeah, it's like um, this album is it embodies like it's Afrofuturism for me. It's not really a genre in, in, in inverted commas. It's more like it, it's, it's my 
it's my perception of being an astronaut, navigating my way through this landscape that we're in is through my, it incorporates my love of design, architecture, um, engineering, like art, um, fashion, music, everything embodied, but then in an, also in an interplanetary sense. So each track, because each track's got a different feature or different features, each track's supposed to sort excuse me um supposed to sort of represent a different planet in another oh. universe you know so this oh. is the astronaut's journey from one track to another which is the listeners walkers the planets then yeah basically <laughs> um Minus okay two. what's your favorite book favorite book uh um do you know what i'm a huge fan of uh like Octavia Butler um, and uh, if I had to choose one book, I would sort of, do you know what? I still love like all of Philip K. Dick stuff as well, man. Oh, you know? man. Brave New World is like. Yeah, it, it was a, and, and but Philip K. Dick was a massive inspiration for what we were doing back in the 70s. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've read everything he's, I mean, I literally read rather than Kindle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I, I'm now piling, actually, not quite true. I'm piling my way. He's got a big compendium of short stories, which is just totally inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. Um, Favorite TV show? Oh, um, past, present. If you'd asked me, if you'd asked me when I was a kid, this would have been mad different. Um, (laughs) like, uh, probably different next week. I mean, the you know. Do you know what? Yeah, I don't know, man. People are gonna like. People are gonna question this. It's it's like a toss up for me. I've just started getting into Atlanta and I really love it, but there was something about The Sopranos, man. (laughs) No, no, no. I've never watched a single episode. uh, Oh, man. It's like, don't get me wrong, I still am a sucker for Curb, man. (laughs) Yeah, 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 Curb's great, yeah. Yeah. An epiphanal moment in your life? Ooh, um... And a moment of realization. Moment of realization. Do you know what? It's got to be when my guitar teacher showed me that you could press that keyboard, yeah, with MIDI and have a MIDI cable connected to it and trigger that emu mouth out yeah, or emu yeah. proteus synth, yeah, and be like, do you know you can change that to any one of the thousands of sounds? Wow. What like my mind? I know we take all this shit for granted, but when you first discover that, it was like completely uh, known as like a as like a kid. Um, If you uh, hadn't been a musician, Mm. uh, what do you think an alternate career might have been? Um, Excuse me. Well, I don't know if I'd have been a rocket scientist, but I would have liked to have thought that I might have been able to do that. Um, But. do you know what? I think it would have been cool. Do you know what? Like, to be honest, I wanted to be a car designer when I I wanted to go and design for Pininfarina when I was like 
very young but my brother was always better than me at like drawing cartoons and doing art in general so I felt a little bit overshadowed damn man he's he's so good at drawing like I'm just not as good like so I was like (laughs) yeah all cars look the same anyway exactly and I would have been pissed if I had because yeah can you design another vacuum cleaner looking car for us please I I want to do something different Exactly. Um, Okay, so which of your own work are you most happy with? uh, My own work am I most happy with? I think Astronaut. Good. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Another musician or composer that you find a continuous source of inspiration? Um, Man. I I know it's tough. Yeah, I do. I do you know what Quincy Jones, man? Yeah, Quincy Jones. He, he is definitely Quincy Jones. But I think Quincy Jones because I can sort of relate a bit more to him. Not that I've got anything on him, but like Prince was just the whole package, which is just so overwhelmingly like crazy, you know, and it's so rare. But Quincy Jones sort of had the golden touch of like anything that he touched not only could he do anything i mean i'm still a sucker for duke you know um and like everything that he's done because it's sort of like foundations for me but i think quincy jones man it's got to be i think so there's one album in particular i love so much is uh sounds like yeah yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. god. I list, I used to listen to that on my home stereo system. Yeah. And just bathe in the in the in the in the acoustics. Yeah. Uh it's everything you want it to be in it. Happy Austin. Oh yeah. my god. It's insane. Uh, Love Me by Name is one of my favorite, favorite tunes. That's a special tune, man. Oh my god. One, the strings one. and the it gives me a thrill just thinking about it now. Yeah, anyway. yeah man. Same. Um, yeah, beautiful. Um, okay, final question. What's your favourite synthesizer? Oh, uh, do you know what? It's a hard question, but I I've got so much love for Roland, man. Like yeah. Roland synths in general. Um, I think just the classic old school Juno, because I can sit on one of those and just like muck Juno about. Six, uh, which one? Uh, is it the is it sixty or the one of sixty? Sixty, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just such a it's a workhorse. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's such a yeah. It's a workhorse. It's an all rounder. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I think I think sixty. If we're talking, I bet. Just of all the Roland machines, yeah, of all the Roland synthesizers, that yeah. probably has appeared on more records than than anything else. Probably, yeah. I reckon. Most, yeah, because I'm, I'm lucky. Lucky, I'm sponsored by Roland, so oh, wicked, yeah. I must ask them. Yeah, they all know the answer. Yeah. To them. No, they would for sure. Like they know what they they know what they're up to. Those guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're genius. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Ash, it's been a joy. I oh, shall go see you shortly. Yeah. We shall go out for dinner. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, 
But it, listen, everyone who's listening to the podcast, just go and check this album out. It's really, really good. And it's you know, down in that kind of area of jazzy. Well, how would you describe the genre? I don't know. Jazzy, trip hoppy. It's mad because, like, you know, there's more, got... there's more than that, though, isn't there? It's more... Yeah, like, I mean, how would I describe it? I mean, I still like to, to like, encapsulated some kind of soul music but it isn't really soul music that most people can say soul music i mean it kind of teeters on the edge of uh i suppose alternative jazz sort of down tempo mm, down tempo psychedelic psychedelic alternative jazz trip jazz dub yeah. Anyway, whatever it is, it's yeah. and I, I, I reckon that when I put on one of your tracks, now that I've become familiar with you, I yeah. can probably identify tracks I've never heard before, and it's got a certain vibe, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, real Pop talk. Marks, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. I love thank, it. Thanks, thanks so much for having me on the show. It's such no, a, it's a, it's an a honor. Prison, man. And I know show. that a few yeah. people will, particularly in America, probably will will check this out. You know, yeah. and. Uh, Hopefully you'll get some more, some more new fans. You nice, just... love, man. Yeah, no, we've been getting. I've been getting some good since the single come out last week, man. Got me getting some really good. Like, great. What's it called? Yeah. Oh, time gets wasted, and it's time featuring um, Denisha, who's a great friend, and Sly Fifth Ave again, who's uh, is a really good friend, um, and they're both from the states. So, yeah, we've had quite a lot of support from LA radio stations in New York right now. So, oh, cool. Been, uh, it's been How uh, exciting. exciting exciting for more people to pick up on it out there you know yeah i think <laughs> i've got a feeling that ultimately you will have a lot of success in america more i, I mean in that, terms man. of sales probably because it's just yeah. it's speaking to them isn't it yeah for sure like i, I mean with an attitude with yeah. a different Attitude coming from the London thing, you know. I know, and it wasn't even that wasn't even sort of my my intention, sort of wholly. But like, hey, man, like I'm I'm just grateful that more people get to listen to it. Absolutely, and if I like it, then even better, you know. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Ash. Thank Ash, you so much. Nice What a truly creative, lovely dude. I think he's destined for big things. Um, He's coming into his own now. His album is very sophisticated. It kind of, uh, his latest album, Astronaut, it reminds me a little bit of kind of Charles Stepney's production on things like Minnie Riperton and uh, that kind of late 60s, early 70s psychedelic soul period. Reminds me a bit of that, but with kind of interesting arrangements. And and uh, Rotary Connection, that's the other thing it reminds me a bit of. Um, so I would really encourage you to go and listen to this. It's so beautiful. How is everyone? We just announced our Heaven 17 tour in November around the UK, so get your tickets. Uh, anybody wants to contact me via email, it's electronically martin at gmail.com. Or if you want to help contribute towards keeping this fantastic podcast going it's patreon.com stroke electronically hours 
doesn't cost much, really makes a big difference. Thank you, everyone, for all your ideas and love online uh, and for and to all our patrons, a big shout out. Um, I will bring you another fantastic guest next week. Bye. From Matt Cole. Dear Martin, the Hem 17 show in Philadelphia was absolutely brilliant. It was more than worth the 40 year wait. The in between song banter was almost worth the price of admission alone. Mm. I only learned about your podcast after the show, so I have a lot of listening to do. So far, I've particularly enjoyed the Peter Hook. I'm fortunate enough to be seeing him while I am on holiday in London at the Palladium with the Manchester Orchestra next Saturday. Ellie Jackson, Stephen Morris, Steve Coogan, and Midge shows. You are clearly a self-effacing person and fine interviewer. Mm, I wrote this you one. You wrote this oh, one. Yeah. I just saw Stereolab in Philadelphia Friday night and thought Tim Gain or Letitia Sad- Sadia. They, they, that would be cool, actually. Uh, I actually have really that, that email. I prefer the female. I, I have her email. Uh, because we're short of women on the podcast, would be solid prospects for the podcast. Thank you for the podcast. It's really a tonic during these troubled times, especially politically here and in the UK. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Robbie Ryan. Hello again, Martin. I hope you're well and back in Primrose Hill or somewhere else with a lovely-sounding name. Marylebone. Yeah, you're now in... uh... Marylebone. Yeah, um, love the new live set so much fun. You and Glenn and the young ladies were superb. Young ladies, they're gonna love that. Uh huh. I remember when you introduced Temptation, you said thank you, brothers, which maybe most of the audience didn't get the reference that you were using the Brothers in Rhythm version as a backing track. Steve Anderson from Brothers in Rhythm has a wonderful podcast to your similar to yours, but obviously more focused on nineties era house producers, etc. He can be reached here, but I know he's a Heaven Seventeen fan fan as who wouldn't be already suggested yeah this is a good okay shall i i'll I'll just forward it to you no no i'm i've got a thing here robbie ryan (sighs) um also as you no doubt are aware synth pop super fans in america know your work deeply but the general public in many cases do not however I know a couple of blokes that were signed to a major label at one point that released Let Me Go as a single that you may or may not be familiar with. Who's this then? Interesting. Sorry, I've just got to open this. That's okay. Ah. Adverts. Huh? Nice. Oh, it's jolly. I'm into it. I'm just going to fast forward it to where the vocals are. It's pretty good, this. Way better than the original. Pretty good. Quite fast. Yeah. Can't wait for the bop do bop I think you skipped it, didn't you? He sounds like Glenn. Yeah, he does. Close. Here we go. Oh, 
So, uh, what are this band called? T42. Okay, that's pretty good. Pretty actually. cool. I like that. Pretty cool. I've never heard that before, so... Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, good. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I had a funny conversation with some women at your gig who accosted me slightly... This is actually being... my email, you oh, know. Sorry, man. You do carry on. I had a funny conversation with some woman at your gig who accosted me slightly for being too young to be at a Heaven Seventeen gig. My response was, "I'm 48." Of course, I was only one or two when Being Boiled was released, and six or seven when Penthouse and Pavement came out. I'm a lifelong fan and an admirer anyway. All the best. Thanks and cheers, Robbie Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. That's very kind. Of Thank you. you. 